0: To kicking off this hour, the Detroit Phoenix Center is a nonprofit that works to lift underserved and transient youth in Detroit to stability, community, and a better future. The center serves teens and young college-aged adults through direct services including a daily drop-in center, after-school activities, and even emergency crisis support. Detroit native Courtney Smith founded the center in the wake of her own experience with youth homelessness, making it her mission to change the lives of young Detroiters. And last, last month, the Phoenix Center launched the One Night Without a Bed campaign, asking the public to spend a night like many Detroit youth do, without a warm, safe place to sleep. I spoke with Smith and Azaria Terrell, one of the Phoenix Center's youth leaders. The
1: Detroit Phoenix Center was just birthed out of recognizing a need in the community for um, youth-driven services. I took a cross-country train journey about June of 2016, Um, and I was traveling across the country and asked young people and also leaders of human service organizations, serving young people, what did young people need? And what I found out was there was a huge disconnect between what the young people said that they needed um, actually being impacted by the services and and what the adult service providers um, were saying that the youth needed. And what I found out was that young people really felt like their voices weren't being heard in service provision. And that as even in the Detroit community, where we were talking about a resurgence of the city and Detroit coming back in fresh leadership, I really felt that our youth was being left out of that narrative, not only from a standpoint of change making, but then also from a standpoint of having their needs met. Um, So I went on that train journey, visited six major cities, came back to Detroit, convened a group of young people, which is known as, which that group of young people today is known as the Youth Action Board, and literally um, asked them from the colors on the wall, to what type of paint we wanted to use, to reviewing handbook and manuals, to provide their insight. And so fast forward to today, that's kind of how, uh, just in real time, how the Detroit Phoenix Center um, was birthed.
0: Well, it's a great story and an incredible mission that you guys provide. Uh, so what were the beginnings of the center like? Uh, have there been some surprises along the way and how uh, the services and the mission that you have has grown?
1: Um, I would definitely say yes, but we're still in our humble beginnings. where. <laughs> Six years in, but five years operational, we are reaching our fifth year anniversary um, coming up in January of when the actual center itself opened six years operational. So I would say we're definitely still in our humble beginnings, but the organization has evolved so much. Um, and the youth action board has evolved so much. So when we started we started off just simply as a drop-in center, a place where young people could come to wash their clothes, to access a food pantry, to, um, have recreational activities, watch TV, take a shower, just a cool, you know, just a nice small space just to hang out, um, just a safe space. Um and then we added on you know uh, an emergency winter services for young people um just recognizing like the brutal services that the brutal winters we have and how it's cold out for young people who are transient. um and so we had evolved there. And then we added on our um our after school program, recognizing the need for educational support. Um, and then we added the workforce development from then recognizing that there were so many young people in our program who were connected, but also needed job training. So it the, the services that we provide has evolved as the need has really shown itself organically. Um, We're not just a drop-in center squarely for youth that are experiencing homelessness. We have evolved um, to support young people who may be at risk um, of experiencing homelessness or who have transitioned out of a transient situation and still need just additional support. So we have evolved in that way. Um, But I think our greatest evolution is young people um, allowing really taking a step back and giving young people a seat at the table and really providing opportunities for them to lead and changing that narrative that because we are providing the service that the young people that also benefit from the program are also involved in that process and i am most proud of that evolution i mean of course Through the wake of the pandemic, we have leaned in in ways that have been unimaginable, Um, but we're continuing to evolve. We're continuing to grow. And I'm excited just about what that looks like. And Azaria, feel free to chime in as you have been involved in the organization, as we have evolved um, to see, to talk through some of the things that you have seen. Um, Feel free to chime in.
0: Azaria, please go ahead and talk about how you became involved with the Phoenix Center uh, and your journey to become a youth leader, uh, taking on just many more responsibilities. Is is that what you always wanted to do?
2: I had first heard about this center from a family friend. I was getting out of foster care, and my dad had gotten in contact with a staff person at a or a boys facility who I heard about the training center. And my dad thought it would be a good idea for me because he, he heard it was all girls and I don't I don't have a lot of women in my life. So, um, but I heard it was, uh, what made me join was because he said they had a really cool SAT learning program and I've always wanted to like further my education and prepare myself. So I was really excited to join something like that. And then, I got to know Miss Courtney and I liked it. The programs we we're doing after for sore. Like I liked that every day it was something new, like on Thursdays we're playing the game. And then we might be cooking on Tuesdays or doing yoga on Wednesdays. It was just always something new to keep us busy. It made it easy just to, like make friends and talk to people and step out of my comfort zone. I think at first, when I first joined DPC, it was just, it seemed pretty small to me. And I noticed there wasn't like a lot of youth or like, a lot of people joining, or I don't know if that's just from what I saw. And I wasn't really participating in a lot of things, but you know, it's been four years now and and now I'm on the youth action board and I'm happy that I'm higher up now because now I get to be a part of like making the programs, you know, it's not just going to these events and participating in these events, but it's actually setting up these events and talking to people and making fundraisers um, just participating and getting the word out there. It's been wonderful. Like I, I tell Ms. Courtney all the time, I really appreciate joining the GPC, and I love that I'm a part of this because I know not a lot of people my age get the opportunity to really express their voice in big changes like this in the environment and in the world. They don't get the opportunity a lot of times to give their opinion, you know, because mostly adults think they know what's best for the child but instead of listening to the child. So I'm happy to have been able to use
0: my voice. That's a wonderful way to put that. Uh, it sounds like you're really enjoying and feeling proud of the work that you've taken on at the center. Was becoming a, a leader or guide for both younger teens and uh, even among your peers, is that something you've always been drawn to?
2: Uh, yes. I think, um, I don't know, I think I've always kind of had leadership skills like in me like, even from elementary school, I was always, you know, top of the class, or this was the person, I was the person that everybody came to to ask, or the teachers asked me to, you know, you know, I've always just been the type to just, okay, I'll do it, I'll present the assignment, or I'll take over this, and I usually, um, I think I had my dad to think for that, because he just always pushed me to, uh you know, step out of the comfort zone and do the best I can be, and um, I like leadership. It just shows that you're responsible, and that you're worthy, and that you're hardworking. And I've never pictured myself doing something as big as this, though. You know, like advocating for young people and making changes and setting up fundraisers. Like this is something, I'm an entirely different level that I didn't expect that I would ever get to. But I'm happy I did.
0: Given the experiences you've both had in life and the extensive work helping teens find some, given the extensive, given the experiences you have both had in life and the extensive work helping teens find some stability in their lives, do you feel that youth homelessness is not given the attention it deserves?
2: I do think it's honestly forgotten. And what's the surprising thing is I had to ask Ms. Courtney to give me like the actual definition of homelessness because I was, you know, it is a common thought that homelessness just means, oh, you're sleeping outside and everything, but it's more to that. And then now, now that she had given me that definition, I shared that definition with so many other people because after she had told me, I had then realized how many people I know who are actually struggling or getting as close to struggling with homelessness. Like, you know, I have people, I know people that couch surf or has gone like months without water or heat. And most people don't even realize that those living conditions are home like they can make um their signs of youth homelessness and because not a lot of people talk about it and there's a lot of misconceptions about it, everybody puts it out of their mind, and you know a lot of people are just most focused on them and their family, and a lot of times they don't think outside of the, the community they'll ride past if they see you know somebody homeless or even in schools, a lot of teachers and principals don't notice, like if one child is, you know, maybe taking extra meals home or wearing the same clothes repeatedly or um, walking home, you know, like they don't take little notice to things that maybe a child is struggling or maybe this person is struggling. And even if so, they do not take the step forward to help the child or they don't know what steps to take. And it amazed me how many people don't even know that programs like DPC exist that work towards youth homelessness. Then again, nobody, not a lot of people know the actual definition of youth homelessness, so they just think, oh, he's not homeless, he's not sleeping outside, but in the end, he doesn't have lights or water and not a lot of food, so he is technically homeless, but a lot of people don't know that. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of people do forget
1: Just to piggyback off of what Azaria said, just to add some factual context, on any given night, there's 34,210 young people that are experiencing homelessness on any given night. And in Detroit, according to the University of Michigan data book project that we were, DPC was a a stakeholder in, um, there's an estimated up to 11,000 students in just DPSCD Alone, that may be experiencing homelessness, um, that are not being identified because a lot of young people, just as Adaria mentioned, don't know the definition of of homelessness. Youth homelessness looks very, very different um, from adult homelessness. And we at the Detroit Phoenix Center we use the McKinney-Vento definition to define youth homelessness, but there are varying definitions, you know, that many different stakeholders use, and so because there's not one solid definition of youth homelessness. um, That's another reason why it is definitely a hidden crisis. And then also because we just don't talk about it enough. When folks think about homelessness, they think about folks, um, unfortunately, that are sleeping outside. But for young people, it looks very different. It looks like couch surfing. It looks like living doubled up. It looks like being in shelters and abandoned buildings, house sitting, just many varying living situations. Being in homes with no, you know, running water or heat, in, in the dead of winter in the state of Michigan, like those are all things that constitutes um, a young people to qualify for services um, at the Detroit Phoenix Center. I also want to acknowledge that since we do have young people like Azaria who are serving on the Youth Action Board that use their own lived experience and their brilliance and their expertise to share with other young people. Uh, Peer-to-peer support has proven to be the greatest asset also to the organization because they can tell their friends, you know, like, hey, there's this great resource. And as a result, when we started our SOAR program, our after-school program, we wanted to keep it relatively small. We started with, 20 students. And then this year, we have 65 students just in the after school program that are registered alone because more of the word is getting out about the program. And the Youth Action Board members are wonderful advocates, but we need more, right? We need to have more conversations. We need to bring more visibility. And that's why we launched the One Night Without a Bed campaign so that more visibility can be brought to the crisis in terms of, you know, looking at some of the triggers, like if there's a young person who's food insecure or a young person who is missing a lot of school, right? If the young person is on Zoom, but they don't turn on their camera, those are some indicators. But then also more practically having signs up in the schools to let folks know like, hey, um are are these any of your situations does this this define is this a living situation that defines you you may be eligible for services through the mckinney dental act a lot of the schools have homeless liaisons on campus um on site and some of them have specific point of contacts that are designated um to identify students who are experiencing homelessness Or housing insecurity, so I do think that there have been great strides made in many of the school districts. But of course, there's more work to be done. Um, And K through 12 education is mandatory for uh, schools to report on students that are experiencing homelessness. But unfortunately, in the higher education realm, um, there's 58,000 last time through FAFSA students that are experiencing um, homeless college students. But there's not any. Um, Mandatory reporting requirements, that's often found out when students apply for federal aid. So on the college campuses, having point of contacts on campus or having basic um, basic need pantries, such as, you know, a food pantry or a clothing closet or, you know, a free library also is helpful for students because those are qualified, those are indicators maybe of housing insecurity. Because the Detroit Phoenix Center goes up to the age of 24 we often do still come in contact with students that are experiencing homelessness on college campuses Um, and then there's the other lens that we're looking through of students who are um what we call opportunity youth who are not in school or working which is another large population of housing insecure young people so if you know attendance is lacking if there is a big you know need for basic needs that's a that's a qualifier schools can lean in by connecting them to their specific point of contact um, on campus such as their homeless liaison the school social worker the counselor um, on campus on college campuses looking at campus-based support programs we have a lot of those in the state of michigan um in addition to um trio um support programs as well so i mean we can go on and on but those are just top recommendations
0: Founder Courtney Smith and youth leader Azaria Terrell with the Detroit Phoenix Center. Find out more about their campaign to bring attention to the many Detroit teens without a home. It's called One Night Without a Bed. Find more info at onenightwithoutabed.com. And this is Culture Shift here on WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Coming up, we'll have a Sam's Jams ahead. I'll see your chance to win tickets to see Jack White come in the Masonic Temple next April. Stay tuned for that here on 1019 WDET. But next, we'll do the roundup.